This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Charlotte Dance. Today, I get the honor of introducing our guest, Michelle Crawford from Lehigh, Utah. She received an undergraduate degree in audiology and speech pathology from BYU Provo and her master's degree in the same field at the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. She is the mother of five children, and she is well-versed in childhood development and education. Most of her musical experience was behind the piano until she was called to be the primary music leader five years ago. When she was called, Michelle was already familiar with Charla's methods because they once lived near each other in San Jose, California, and Michelle had attended several of Charla's workshops. Welcome, Michelle. I'd love to know a little bit more about your experience with primary music. Five years, that's a long time. Yeah, it flew by so fast. Mostly, you know, I was just a piano player, but we get desperate for primary music leaders. And so they pulled this pianist up there to sing in front of everyone, not what I'm most comfortable doing. That was the hardest part for me, singing publicly. That was the hardest mental, emotional thing for me to do, but it had to get done because I have seen, I was so lucky to observe, um, for some reason, even though I'm just a piano player, I, she has been, Charlie has been doing these, uh, primary music workshops around and I, a couple in my area and couple my, where my sister lived in Oregon. And we just, you know, it was just fun to go to. And any time I would be present at these model singing times that she would do, I just, the energy that I felt and the spirit I felt, I was just so in awe of what singing time could be. So much more than just hot and cold. What? The whole room is moving and together and singing and it, you feel the spirit really strong and there's not a lot of talking. There's no piano. It was just like blowing my mind. And so after years of visiting these workshops here and there, I finally got called to be a primary music leader. I had this interesting experience where I had been sitting in primary. I was just a primary teacher and I just got a head to toe feeling during singing time. You're next. And I thought, whoa, where'd that come from? And so I thought, okay, better read the book. I think it had just like magically arrived or me. It's like maybe I had pre-ordered it way in advance and it just somehow I, I magically got it right at, right at the right time. Let's I pause for just a second. Um, what oh. book are you talking about for our listeners? Oh. She showed us and we know what book she's talking about. But. Oh, this is Charlotte Dance's book to teach a child a song. And you see, I've got all, all these um, markers in mine, all these post-its in mine. It's just such a good foundation. And I know most people don't get a lot of notice sometimes that they're becoming the primary music leader the heavenly father knew that's what i needed so i i got a lot i don't like to be surprised i got a lot of notice um in fact i questioned that several times i months went by months and months and i said heavenly father am i just crazy and then i would get it again three times i got it and it was over a year so you know what i did i just kept reading and i kept watching the workshops and i just kept feeling you're next get ready that was the message get ready and so I just kept getting ready. And then uh, the bishopric member came to me and said, we'd like you to do this. We know we have a beloved, energetic, wonderful primary courser who did not want to leave. And he's going to be hard to replace. And everyone's going to be sad. And I know these are really big shoes to fill, but can you do it? And I was like, 
yeah, I've been getting ready for a year. I didn't feel ready, but at least I knew it was coming. I think he was expecting so much more back and forth. And yeah, I've been reading about this for a year. Let's do it. I'll give it my best. And that's how it started. What a testimony that is. I have chills listening to your story because it makes me think about, I know you needed the preparedness, but also how much Heavenly Father loves his primary children. Mm-hmm. How much he wants us to be prepared to be the best version of our primary singing leader selves. Okay, so five years of experience now. What are your favorite go-to activities? Really, I have two answers for this. My soapboxy answer is honestly anything where all the children are engaged. Anything where they're all engaged. So what those things for me is if you're if you can get up there and just do some actions. A lot of you probably haven't had the experience of watching Sharla do actions in front of actual children. It doesn't sound that exciting, but you would have thought she was teaching sumo wrestling when she came to my primary. I can't even remember what we were doing, but you know, I think I'm being energetic and here she is whole body jumping up and down. But I mean, it's just like, and I was like, wow. I mean, I thought I was doing pretty well, but I I had, I mean, it's just the energy. So anyways, actions, I mean, actions can be boring too. It's all about how you do it. So I love the actions. Sign language is even better, but if not, you just make up your own. I love anything with rhythm. The patting on the lap and the claps, that's pretty normal. But man, I've just, I've seen Charlotte just do the the weirdest stuff, you know? (laughs) And that's what's interesting. That's what's interesting to the kids, you know, the trickiest stuff the elbows or the the crossing or adding a I it just it's so fun and so I love anything with rhythm I also really love the challenge of not saying a word it's so fun and it's a little bit funny it's a little bit like a group um group bonding experience right because someone's gonna mess up maybe me maybe the teachers let's sing this phrase but let's not say this word. Let's not say the words that fall on this part of the beat. Adam was a first one that we in a place called. It's just so fun to to see people mess up and to see me mess up and it's challenging. And then when we all get it, it's really exciting. That's not even taking into consideration all of the cognitive benefits that are happening, right? A lot of times when I go to Charlotte's workshops, she goes into the science and says, You want to give the children experiences singing words in their head because it really helps emphasize the memorization of the song. But here's all the other benefits, you know, that they're developing impulse control and executive function, all these things. I can't even keep all those things in my brain. All I remember is Shara said, do it. It's super important. And I can remember that. I can remember, give them as many opportunities as I can to not say the word. Even if I can't remember all the benefits, they're getting the benefits. (laughs) So those are my go-tos. If there's paper plates lying around, man, I I just love, I love the experience of a room full of people all doing the the big motions and there's nothing like it. I love the paper plates. What have been some of your favorite success stories, some memorable singing times that have really stuck with you where your aha moments or you just knew it was right? I think there's a couple ways to gauge this. Number one, you know it's going well if the kids are engaged. If everyone is ultra focused on what the music leader is doing, 
what that does is the focus is actually on the song. And so if you walk into a room and and all the children are focused on the singing time, it's so amazing. I love when I can walk into a room and see that. One of the things that is amazing when they're all singing, they're all breathing together, they're all singing and they're mm -hmm. Song, it gives them a little bit of Zion right there, and they don't know it, mm. but they're practicing for Zion. They're practicing being one, even they're so they're all so different, but they're focused because you pulled them into it. You're helping them focus on Zion. I love that. the The second thing I love, and this may not be what you're expecting, but when when the children in the room are engaged and singing and feeling the spirit all the adults in the room can really just relax and they can be at peace and they're not they're not wrangling they're not disciplining they're not it's not hard work for them it's not they're not getting 20 minutes of torture they're getting 20 minutes where they're getting to sit back and just enjoy the singing time and so some of my, like I said, it's all about the children and what they're experiencing, but the most rewarding thing to me, one of the things besides the children is when an adult will come up afterwards, especially a, a guy, a really like cool guy who, you know, admits to me, he was never really into primary singing time, never into any of that, doesn't like to be called to sub because it's a lot of work to sit there for 20 minutes and say, pay attention, pay attention, sing, don't touch your neighbor, all of this stuff. When a brother like that comes up to me and says, that was really engaging, engaging. They use the word engaging. And when he says, I could not believe that was 20 minutes. Couldn't believe it. It was just the time flew by. And so when the adults can come in the room and feel the spirit too, and feel the reverence of it and enjoy the songs, even if they're not a singer, even if their whole lives, they thought that they hated singing time, I just won them over. And the amazing thing is that it's not just fun that, okay, now they, now they, maybe they like singing time. They had a great experience with the song. They felt the spirit. And ultimately that brings them closer to the savior. That makes them say, you know what? Maybe we should add singing back into our family home evenings. Maybe I can bind to the singing thing because it's such a powerful tool to draw us closer to the Savior. I just, as we're studying about Psalms recently, I just keep thinking so much about the importance of this, this tool, this, this music, this poetry and how it reaches people, some more than others, but if they've experienced singing time with the methods that Charlotte's figured out with these effective methods, these methods based on research and cognitive development, that's the way to really experience it. Those are the things that work. I just had an experience where we were visiting for a, a family thing, and I got to help my unruly child attend a primary where it was the leader's just her second week. It's hard. It is a hard calling to do. And I would just love to see people set up so that they never have to experience a room full of chaos and things that aren't working. Because if there are a few things, if you just put them in place, we do three songs, we make sure they move, we make sure they feel the rhythm. You know, there's so many activities that are popular that don't fit that. And so I just, 
oh, my heart was breaking for her because I'm, I'm sure she just went online and printed these things and somehow she wasn't set up for success in that situation. So how can we set them up for success? You know, I just wish everyone knew these keys to put in place so that the kids could have an amazing singing time experience and so that the adults could too. Adults are more comfortable with the whole primary experience. You can keep your primary staffed better. Actually, people are more willing to say yes to the primary callings when they come to singing time and they get to learn with the children and they get to sing and enjoy it. If they're coming into singing time and it's awkward and it's a lot of work and the magic isn't happening and the spirit isn't there, it's a job and it's hard to keep keep it staffed. If you were to describe to someone in your own words, what are the principles that set a primary singing time up for success? What would your outline be? If I had to sit down with someone and give them advice, for how to set them up for success, I think that putting the structure in place where you, your plan is, I'm going to do three songs, just going to do those three songs, and I'm going to plan to do those three songs the whole month. So you make that decision, and those are your three songs, and I'm going to do a different activity with each of those three songs for the whole month. By doing that, I'm setting my children up to have lots of repetition of those songs. The children don't learn the songs without enough repetition. And they also don't learn the songs if they don't have positive experiences with the songs and a variety of experiences with the songs. And so my overall plan is I want the children to learn the songs. So there has to be repetition, but I also don't want them to get bored. So three songs each week, but we're going to stick with those same three for the month. And then when it comes to looking at each week and saying, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, something where they move, something where everyone's engaged, something where they have to be thinking, something that involves them and something that involves all of them all the time or pretty close, you know, sometimes we have to take turns with things and that's fine. But the hardest thing to see is when we have 40 people in a room and one person takes a turn and maybe another one and maybe another one. And then you've got three or four kids that had the turn to do the fun thing spin the wheel or shoot the gun or whatever. And then nobody else did. Children go away sad and not everyone was engaged. And the focus was on the gun or the basketball or the prop rather than the song. And so my advice would be if we give everybody the opportunity to move, if everybody's doing the pattern or everyone's trying to do the actions or everyone's trying to figure out the word puzzle on the board, everybody got a turn. And everyone had the experience with the song. And because we were focused on the actions and the the puzzle, the focus was on the song. You don't want children to walk out of the room going, we did a potato head today. I'm sure the intention for some song leaders is that, well, we do the potato head because we got to do something fun between the songs, which I can understand. They're trying to not make it boring. And I am a fan of not making it boring. But then what it does is it, it just puts the focus on the, the wrong thing because we want the focus to be on the song. So everybody moves, everyone does the beat, everyone's trying to figure out the code and the focus becomes on the song. And it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot. And that's why this is a hard question to answer succinctly. But if we choose three songs and we do those three songs the whole week and the activities that we choose for the songs focus on the song and they involve everyone in movement or rhythm 
or problem solving or a challenge, like don't sing the word or don't sing every third word or whatever, then that is setting up primary leaders for success because children will behave and they will love it and they'll feel the spirit. So Michelle, when the COVID was happening, you made some videos with activities that were, I thought, very, very well done, well well prepared for the children so that they could be engaged. So how do people find that? My husband, my tech guy, since I know nothing about tech, named the channel In a Pinch Primary Music. If you search In a Pinch Primary Music on YouTube, you'll see it. I, I'm a huge believer that if you have some time to sit down and read the book and really like wrap your head around the principles, watch one or more workshops, Charlotte dance workshops, where you kind of see the demonstrations, like that is such a good way to like set yourself up for a foundation. But in a pinch, if you just want to see someone demo some things to do that are going to work and you don't want to take all the time to like figure out all the research behind it and why you just in a pinch. Go to the In a Pinch primary music and just see some of the things I've done. And even though it's not full singing times now because COVID's over and I've actually moved on to youth choirs and relief society now, I don't put as many things on there, but people ask me stuff. And and so every once in a while, if there's a need and, and people say, just what about this song? Then maybe I'll just put something on there if I have some time with my children or whatever. So it's not fancy or well kept, but it's something. It's it's a starting point. It's a few resources for a few songs. It's very helpful. I really enjoyed watching them. It was, <laughs> it was just so low key, and yet they were principles that work. And you really got to the core of what happens and what needs to happen with the song. Good job. Well, as much as I really don't love recordings and singing publicly. It just felt like something needed to be done. And I just wanted to make it easy for people. Like, you know what? I'm not a professional singer, but here's what works. I'm just going to show you. Forget about everything else. Just let me show you. And hopefully that's helpful to people. And that that's all I was going for. I hope it's helped someone. Thank you for listening and a special thank you to Dana Carden for composing our music.